Hello, and welcome to The Unveiling with your hosts, Ajay, Mark, and Tim. Three guys discussing the one true gossip. This is episode number one. So let's dive right in. Hi, guys. Good to get together again tonight. And I wanted to talk about, well, gee, what what do we talk about every time we get together? God's grace. But God's grace is all wonderful and all that. But it, without having some impetus for it, it doesn't seem like it's all that big a deal. You know, God is love. Love is grace. Grace is Jesus. Jesus is Lord, blah, blah, blah. But the truth of the matter is there's a very specific reason for the true gospel of grace that we need this. But I tell you what, there's a lot of people that aren't going to believe that. So why don't you, why don't we start there and see where we go? Well, I think it comes down to a very basic reason that I think pretty much most people already know, and that is because we are incapable of not screwing up. We're human beings. We're tempted in so many different areas of our life. If the only way to gain God's forgiveness and acceptance and love is to perfectly fulfill all the thou shalls and the thou shalt nots, not to mention all the rules that mankind heaps on, we can't do it. And for those who may doubt me, then I would say the minute you start really trying to do it, that's when you're going to find out you really can't do it. A lot of people have led their lives not really trying to change their behavior, just like, I'm okay. I'm going through my life. Yeah, I screw up now and then. But it's not until you really try to live a good life and not screw up and not fall to the same mistakes that you really find out how unable you are to keep things perfectly. I think we need to define some terms here because, okay. you know, I've, I've never killed anybody. I've never, you know, told a big lie that got anybody else in trouble or did this. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty good. I, I'm done. You know, I know the 10 commandments are, do I keep everyone all the time? No, but you know, I mean, statistically speaking, I, I think I'm above average. Well, I just want to repeat what you just said. Have I kept the 10 commandments all the time? Well, no, but I, oh, stop right there. That's the mark that we have to keep to gain God's forgiveness, not even forgiveness. If we kept that, we wouldn't need forgiveness. So that's the mark that we're all required to keep to gain acceptance, to gain a, a guarantee of our future life in heaven with him. The minute you say that I haven't kept them all, you can just stop right there. Yeah, you because know, I think, standard. you know, what we're talking here is uh, the problem of humanity, right? What is the problem of humanity? And uh, why do we even gr- need grace, right? Yeah, that's a good so, question. Uh, if you look at our own life, right, you know, we all can tell that, you know, we have this thing, you know, we always want to be good, but we cannot be good. Like Mark is saying, the Bible calls it sin, right? You know, we all have this sin consciousness, right? And we all have a conscious that is given to us. You know, people may deny it in the public, but deep down they know there's something wrong with them and we cannot really do the good that we want to do. And we really don't need any explicit loss. So we all know we have a conscience and then when we try to live by the conscience, you know, we always fail. So I think the problem is also a little deeper, right? You know, it's not just sin. You know, God is not telling us, you know, okay, you guys are here. 
you guys are on a neutral ground and if you uh, if you don't sin you'll be saved and if you sin i will kill you but the problem is the bible says in romans 5:12 through one man sin entered the world and death through sin and thus death spread to all men because all sinned so our problem is something called death right when adam sinned the first man that was ever created by god when he sinned he brought death so mark already touched on it so try to do something good but we cannot right you know that inability to do anything good is because we are dead so we are dead to the life of god so this is this is what paul is saying when he says that which i would do i do not and that which i would not do that i do because i've noticed that in my life there are certain times when i'm going to concentrate on fixing some part of my life and the more yeah. i struggle to fix the more often yeah. i screw yeah. it up that reminds me of the old saying that the road to hell is paved with good intentions that's pretty scriptural and spiritual when you think about it because i think most of us want to be good people and we have good intentions right but they don't lead anywhere because we can't ever do them well enough other than where the saying yeah, says they yeah. lead to. So, yeah, Tim, you know, back to your point, right? You know, why we need grace or why we need salvation. So for me, I think there are two things. You know, one is uh, uh, our experientially. Uh, we all know that we are, there's something wrong with us, right? You know, we always try to do good, but we end up doing bad. And if we want to be good husbands, we are not. we want to be good fathers we are not right we want to be a good student we want to be honest workers and we are not and then the cover up is that okay now we start comparing with others so it's like you know if you have two ca- cancer patients right and you compare with the cancer patient you know who is stage 2 uh is comparing with the cancer patient who is at stage 5 right it's the same thing we are doing both of us have cancer and sooner or later both will die there's no difference so that's what we are doing because we all know you know there's something wrong with us you know now we started comparing with each other to uh, to feel better about it but you know that's where i think the bible is so different from uh, other religious books right so other religious books says you know by doing by meditating by yoga by striving hard you can get to a state you know where you can live above sin but the bible you know it simply states the facts if you go back to romans again it says uh all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of god romans 322 to 23 and in romans 310 says there is none righteous no not one and all have turned aside they have all together become unprofitable there is none who does good no not one so i think mark to your point you know um yes you know we do have good intentions and uh, i don't disagree with that but deep down right you know even though we might deceive to think that we have good intentions but the bible is clear you know the heart is desperately wicked and in uh, genesis chapter 6 the bible says that every thought or every imagination of the heart of the man is only evil continually so strictly speaking i think we don't have good intentions either it's just a cover up or we are deceived to think that we have good intentions I'm what, what just so you don't min- misunderstand I didn't mean that 
all our intentions yeah. are good because we have many intentions that like you're yeah. saying are not good when we when we purposely cheat on our taxes or just name you know x y and z yes we yeah. do have bad intentions do i ever want to help my neighbor 89 year old woman take out her garbage and is that a good intention yeah it is you know but but it's i wasn't trying to say all yeah, our yeah. intentions are good thanks thanks for that not yeah. at all all right so what yeah, i heard this verse earlier by one man sin entered the world i'm going to go ahead and Say that's Adam, as much as I'd like to blame Eve. <laughs> that's Adam, <laughs> and then by uh, and yeah, by so another man through one man sin entered the world and death through sin and death death spread to all men because all sin. So I guess you're referring to the other through other man came righteousness. Is that what you're referring to? Yeah. Yes. 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 So Jesus Christ. <laughs> so that's two people. But let's talk yeah. about the Adam situation for a minute. Um, and I mean, now let's tie this to something in today's po- political world. Um, 200 years ago, Americans owned slaves, and there are people today that believe we should pay reparations to their ancestors for what our ancestors did. Because of what Adam did, we're still being held accountable for something we didn't do. Does that seem unfair? I I'm kind of, yeah, right? I mean, to me, that seems kind of unfair. I didn't go yeah. and do that. Well, I, I just want to say, I don't want to get into the poli- political side of things. I'm going to flesh out that illustration a little more, but I don't want it to sound political. But I'll just say this. If we're going to pay everybody on a national level, on a state level, on a personal level, if we're going to monetarily try to make reparations for every wrong thing we've done against somebody, we owe a lot of people a lot of money. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I owe my wife money. I owe my kids money. I owe, you know, and I don't mean to trivialize slavery and all that. That's why I don't like going into the political side of things. But we we are in debt because of our sin and, and, and against God above all. That's one of the reasons we need grace. Because we all, we can't make reparations to yeah. God. Can we? But I didn't do anything. Right, right. Adam did it. Why is it Why is it being yeah. counted accountable to me? Well, you did do something too, though, Tim. Well, I, yeah, I've done something of my own. And that, that, that I'll take, you know, in, in certain circumstances, take uh, my responsibility for. But I didn't do what Adam did. But when I was born, you're telling me because of Adam... I was yeah, already so I think to your point of unfairness, you know, it is uh, unfair to the guys, you know, who are born uh, to Adam. Like the analogy, you know, I always go back to, I think a good analogy for sin is disease, right? So if somebody has a genetic disease that's running in the family, right? It goes to the kids and kids and kids and that's how it is. So we inherited this disease called sin uh, from Adam. So... That is the reason, right? You know, the gospel also makes sense. Uh, you already alluded to it, right? So what Adam did is unfair, and we are unfairly uh, punished, right, by the death. But at the same time, you know, what Lord Jesus did, the salvation, the way salvation also comes in a much more unfair way, right, so to speak. We are saved by what Lord Jesus did. So if you look at the big picture, yes, you know, uh, if you look at just one side of things, Yes, it is unfair, 
But if you look at both sides of the coin, the way we are saved, you know, that unfairness is uh, uh, actually overridden and overpowered by the greater unfairness of the righteousness of Lord Jesus Christ given to us freely. I like the way you put that, Ajay, and it spurred a thought in my head that everybody demands justice. Everybody wants fairness. But wait a minute. Are you sure that's what you really want yeah. is justice yeah. and fairness? Because what if you get what's fair to you, then you're going to have yeah. judgment on you. That you know, that's a word that comes from justice. We want justice when it benefits us, when we feel we've got something that coming. Good. I think that yeah. goes back to the point we're discussing, right? Many people do not realize that they have a problem called sin and death. First is, you know, they have sinned by the inheritance that uh, um, they got, right? The sin that they inherited from Adam, but also in our actions also we sin, right? We actually commit some sinful actions that are that have caused damage to others. So we are punished not only for um, Adam's sin, but also like Mark is saying, right, for our actual sins also we are accountable. But um, so that is a key point we are talking about, right? So we all have a problem called sin. And when we don't realize this, right, that's when we demand for justice. But when we realize that, you know, we are all under sin and the wages of sin is death, we will stop demanding fairness and uh, and justice. It's actually the opposite, right? It's called mercy. Mercy is something, you know, you give to people when they deserve punishment. We are actually uh, pardoning them of the punishment and uh, giving them grace. So that's what is mercy. So when somebody is truly convinced of their sin, instead of demanding justice, they will actually plead for mercy. One little addendum I want to put to this conversation is that this is probably the most you're going to hear the three of us talk about sin, like an entire episode, because sin is not the main focus of the gospel. Grace, the love of God for us, is the main focus of the gospel. But without that understanding of the foundation of of sin and that we're all sinners, we, we're never going to need a Savior. Why yeah. would we go to Christ? So that's why we're talking about it today. I just don't want people to get the idea that that's the whole focus of the Christian life, is our sin and calling yeah. out everybody else's sin. It is not at all. I agree with that completely, but I am going to say a few more things on the topic. One, at some points in my life, I felt like the life I lived before I found Christ and even to some extent the life before I found grace was in some times, in some ways, unforgivable, that what I had done was too far, too much, and yet I hadn't done as as bad or as worse as some people I could point to in history or in the newspapers or whatnot. But I still felt like I knew I was dirty, and I knew that I could not be I, I couldn't come to God. All my church experience had led me to believe that I had to clean myself up and straighten myself out so I could become a Christian. And I just hit points in my life where I knew I could not in any way, shape, or form reach that goal. And I know there are people out there going to be listening to us right now who go, oh, you know, God doesn't want me. But this is where grace becomes so important 
and I'm going to let me take 30 more seconds here or, or less if I can help it. There are people in the Bible who were beloved by God, David, Paul, the, and I'm just going to grab one from each Testament. Um, these people were murderers. These people were actively against God. Paul hunted down Christians and yet God still loved them and, and wanted them and knew what he could do with, to, and for them. You can't out, you can't out bad God's ability to forgive you as long, you know, as long as once you come to him, you do surrender. That's why grace is so important. It doesn't matter. You know, Tim, your 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 experience of thinking that you needed to clean yourself up before you came to Christ is different than mine. It was after I came to Christ that then I had to clean myself up. Mark, I'm not I, I was I was just talking about pre, but you're right. Afterwards afterwards the Christians that came after me, like, well, you can't do this and you can't do that. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. I mean, in some ways, just as far as sin went, I was less guilty and having more fun before I became a Christian because I didn't truly understand the gospel of grace. And I and I and I started trying to do it and, of course, failing and being terrible all the time. So in some ways, you were more noble than me. You felt bad before you became a Christian. <laughs> you had you had an earlier an earlier. No, 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 no. I did I because did. it was up till that point that I realized, okay, God has cleaned me. And then the Christians came and said, "Yeah, now you got to keep yourself clean." Oh man, I don't understand why people who knew they couldn't do it well enough to be saved after their Christians thought they could do it well enough to somehow gain a holiness, righteousness, whatever word you want to put on that. that may, it's not yeah, by the way, I could easily tell Tim is more noble than you, Mark. So That goes without saying. <laughs> and that's, that's, that's called the gift of discernment. You, no, come on, you're both killing me, and we can't let this get out like that. I am, I'm not Paul, the worst of sinners, but I might be in the top ten. I'm just saying. Yeah, so that point, I said, you know, I just want to quickly visit, yeah, Mark, you know, uh, that point is, uh, I, that's a great point, right? You know, our, you know, we don't want to, our intention of talking about sin is not to make people sin focused. And uh, that's a great point. Uh, and one of the reasons, you know, we also uh, want to talk about this, right? The core problem of humanity is, uh, unless you realize, you know, when you realize that we are sinners, and even though we are sinners, God, God loves us, in our sinful state, right? That gives us more appreciation for God's love. So for a sinner, who knows? He is an absolute worst sinner, right? But Christ loved them in their sinful state. And still, Christ received them. You know, that gives so much more appreciation than to God's love than people who think, you know, I'm okay. Yeah, I understand Christ died for me. I'm, I'm okay. Uh, maybe I need Christ's death. But I'm not saying they will not be saved, but... Uh, the appreciation of God's love is much more when we realize that uh, when we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And in fact, the Bible also talks about that, right? So in Romans chapter 5, it says, uh, chapter Romans chapter 5, from verse 5, I'm reading, Now hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. And verse 6, for when we were still without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. 
for scarcely for a righteous man will one die yet perhaps for a good man someone would even dare to die but god demonstrates his own love towards us in that while we were still sinners christ died for us so this is actually one of my favorite scriptures it says god demonstrates his own love towards us while we were still sinners christ died for us so the point is you know for somebody like tim is saying if somebody you know no matter what kind of sin you committed how bad it may be right you can be assured that god loves you still and you can be assured that christ's blood is powerful enough to wash away even the worst of the sins so that's also one of the reasons we talk about sin that's a great point aj let me let me just hang out on that point for a second and in some ways when you think about it the worse our worst sin is like say we were having a a contest who had the worst sin the whoever has that worst sin that just means that the power and the love of christ is even more mind blowing you know i always tell people just imagine the worst thing you've ever done in your life and realize that that at that moment as as ajay said the bible says that we are enemies of god before we come to him uh we're dead we're dead in our transgression at that moment when you did your worst thing christ said yes i will go to the cross for him or and one other one other point that really i think uh, expounds this point is that it's not only that in our sin and deadness and being an enemy of god did christ die die for us because of the great love for god but then you have to go the opposite direction and say who is this god and what is he like that's forgiving all this stuff he's holy he's pure he is absolute light with no darkness he's majestic and sovereign omniscient omnipotent when you when you take that context and realize this is the one who's forgiving us his enemies that just blows it up so that also more. explains the blood of lord jesus right so god is holy and perfect right and we are sinners how can a god justify a sinner right that's where the blood of jesus comes into play lord jesus the perfect man ever to walk on earth right he shed his perfect blood as an atonement for our sins and that's how even though we are sinners even though god is holy the bridge is the lord jesus christ through his blood even though we are sinners we are accepted freely okay so to this point honestly i think we've been talking about our pre-salvation selves no matter how bad we were we can come to jesus we can be forgiven and we can approach the throne in in robes of white and you know in splendor and covered by the blood of Jesus what happens after that and i'm i don't this is kind of an indictment on the church today and i don't mean to like come down on anybody but how many times are we taught that well yeah you were forgiven when you came to Jesus in your salvation but now Now you got to pull yourself up by your bootstraps and produce fruit. You have to do this, you have to do that. And it's while it's not necessarily couched in the phrases of you're a sinner anymore because Paul says we're not sinners, we're saints. Once we have re- received Christ, we have cast off the old man, we're a new creature, we're a new creation. So we're no longer sinners, we're saints. But the church doesn't teach us that. The church says now 
Now you got to really buckle down. And that's where I think so many people go, wait, I just found all this great forgiveness and, and light. I've been lightened my load. I'm, I'm, I'm free and I'm, but now the church is going, yes, but you have to. And that is just to me a killer message because it doesn't matter how many times I went to church after I was saved. There was a seven point series on how to be a better husband. And I would dedicate myself for those seven weeks to being a better husband. But the next, the, the next week it was all of a sudden a series on how to be a better workman. And, oh, you know, I couldn't keep up, A. B, I never got any of them right. And C, I always felt defeated. And after a while, it literally drove me from the capital C church. And it drove me to deep diving into what the Bible said and what grace was. And this this is, to me, what has become my new identity. Yeah, what I think Tim, that think goes back that? to, you know, I think uh, before we address that problem, why it is so, I think uh, we also need to understand uh, by what gospel a sinner is saved. You know, we talked about we all are sinners, but how is a sinner saved? I think the problem we say, uh, see in the church is very closely related to uh, the salvation, salvation message or the gospel that is generally preached to the sinners. So I think they're closely related, you know, I don't know if you want to talk about that today or in a later uh, uh, session, but just to tee it up, right? When we talk about salvation, we talked about a sinner, like we all are sinners, we cannot save ourselves. So how is a sinner saved? I think that's where in most of the churches or most of the preaching, when it comes to salvation, right, they put some conditions to salvation. Okay, you're a sinner before you're saved or before Christ can receive you, right? You have to clean up your life. Like uh, Tim, you were saying before pre-salvation, they just don't say, you know, Christ receives you freely without any works. They say, you know, you have to try to obey. You have to clean up yourselves. You have to repent. You have to do restitution. So there are at least one or two conditions that are put to our salvation. And that carries forward into their Christian life also, because they are thinking that, you know, I am saved based on certain things I did. Now I have to keep my salvation based on what I do. But I think, you know, when there is clarity on what salvation message is and a sinner is saved absolutely without any conditions, that's when I think, you know, that also carries forward into our Christian life also. Amen. And I will tell you, I do want to dig in that further in another session, but Mark, What do you have to say to this so far? I've had a thought floating around in my head that I've been chewing on and kind of wordsmithing a little bit. Uh, Since our last conversation, we talked about the fact that when we are forgiven at salvation and our sins are completely removed from us as far as the East is from the West, that we're not just saved to neutral. We're not just like taking like, I get a picture of God up there holding a slate, like a portable chalkboard, and all our sins are written on it, all the sins before we became a Christian. And when Christ died for us, he took an eraser and and erased them all off. And now we got a clean slate, okay? But now you better not start putting sins on that slate again. 
you know. But that's not what it is because what happened was after Christ erased all those sins off of that slate, he wrote in the righteousness of God. Or another way of looking at it, well, a better way of looking at it is after he erased our sins, he took that slate and he chucked it into the bottom of the deepest ocean because we're not under that system anymore. So you're saying he died for all my sins up to my salvation and then some? Once for all, every every sin, past, present, and future. He knew them all ahead of time. So he, do to, he died 2,000 years ago. Not just to get me up to the age of 42, where I discovered the correct gospel message, but every sin that I might commit between that and when I die, I'm clean because because I can't sin no more? That's absolutely, well, no, well, you can't sin against him anymore, because he's taken that slate and thrown it away and said, this is my beloved son, in him I am well pleased. As Christ is in the world, yeah. so are you. In fact, that is so true, uh, Mark, and uh, really, really great point, right? And when we dig deeper, right, uh, and we understand what happens at salvation, I think uh, that also brings much more clarity. So, uh, Bible says, right, in uh, Romans, sorry, in Second Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21, He knew no sin became sin for us, that we might be made the righteousness of God in Him. So what happened is a transaction at the cross, and it's an irreversible final transaction. So at the cross, Lord Jesus took all of our sin upon himself, and he gives us all of his righteousness to us. That's what happened at the cross. It's an irreversible one-time transaction, right? It's not God is not doling out forgiveness on a daily basis, or we are not becoming righteous on a daily basis, but it's a one-time, one-final transaction that happened at the cross. Jesus took all our sin and he gives all our righteousness. In fact, if we did not become righteous at the cross, we couldn't be saved at all. If you look at the Old Testament, I think we'll go into that some other time, but uh, the Bible says in Romans 10.5, for Moses writes about a righteousness which is of the law. A man who does these things shall live by them. So what it is saying is, in the Old Testament, you know, first, you have to keep the law and uh, you have to prove yourself to be righteous. And then as a reward, you get life as a gift. So all of this happened at our salvation exactly, right? So at salvation, what we are saying is, like you said, we are not only forgiven of our sins, but we are also given as a gift of life of Jesus Christ himself, the gift of resurrection life. And we could not be given the gift of life unless we are made righteous. So the order of things is all our sins are removed, right? Jesus took our sins. And the second step is we are gifted the gift of righteousness. And because of that righteousness, now we are qualified to receive the life of Christ. So all these three things happened at the cross and through the resurrection. And these are irreversible transactions. So I think once we understand that, we do not ask these kind of questions, you know, that seem to be more common sense based, but not scriptural. So when Christ died once for all, he meant for all, not all people, but all people and all the things they did wrong and every past, present, future, 
because he died 2,000 years ago. He didn't die for me up to the point of my salvation. He yep. died for yep. me in my entire yeah. life. But it says all. It's all our sins for all people and for all time. You know, you're reminding me of a really good scripture that says, blessed is the man whose sin the Lord will never count against him. So it just it just destroys the idea of God up there with a slate keeping score before you're a Christian and then after you're a Christian and the and it's even worse after you're a Christian. He threw away the old one but he started a new one. Yeah. And now the sin values double <laughs> like in jeopardy. Thank you Alex. I'll take I'll take my mortal sins for 200. I'll take hellfire for 1000 please. <laughs> No, that's been that's been thrown away. In fact, it says that God is chosen in Christ to remember our sins no more. Not only does he not count them against us, he chooses not to remember them. So there's no reason for you to remind him of your sin because he paid a huge price to not even remember it. I, I laugh not because I find it comical, but because I find it so freeing and it's so good to be able to throw off the yokes of bondage that the law kept me in for so long. In fact, Go like ahead, I said before, unless all our sins are forgiven, we couldn't be saved. Because, you know, sometimes you know, we do not have an understanding. We think, you know, at salvation, all our past sins are forgiven. And then God saves us. He gives us life. And now it's up to us not to sin. But the Bible says the wages of sin is death, right? After being saved, if you sin, and if the wages of sin are still upon you, right? you will die immediately. Then you have to go through this process of getting your sins forgiven again, and again you get life, then you sin again, then you die again. So that's not how, you know, our salvation works. The way Lord appointed salvation is once and for all, he removes all our sins, and once and for all, he makes us righteous, and once and for all, he gives us a gift of eternal life. And a great paradox is that once you understand this gospel of grace and let go of trying to gain acceptance, sanctification, holiness, there's a lot of big words, cleanness by working and by not sinning. What you're going to find isn't what scripture tells us is sin is no longer our master because we're no longer under the law. It's slightly counterintuitive, but once we stop trying to uphold that under our own power and ourselves, you find over time naturally as, as Christ becomes your focus that you can look at your life. I have way less sin in my life now since I stopped trying to get rid of sin in my life yeah. because I'm focusing on something better. Yeah. It's like that old thing telling somebody, try not to think of a white elephant. Well, they're going to immediately think of a white elephant. <laughs> you know yeah. what I'm saying? It's, just, it's like when you take your focus off of doing it, it's almost like getting your cake and eating it too. You got that backwards, Mark, And because I'm a semanticist. It's eating your cake and having it too. <laughs> no, but really, honestly, sorry, bad joke. That's not the saying. Bad, no, no, that's not the saying, but the saying got it backwards. What I wanted to know was, why is grace so important? Because we have inherited a sin nature because, you know, God wanted to take the law off of us. He brought the law to show us we couldn't keep it and couldn't be righteous unto ourselves. So he bring, brought Jesus to take the law off of us and give us freedom. For, for freedom, Christ set us free. 
And these are the things that I wanted to bring out today. I wanted to just talk about why is grace important? And I'm going to, I'm going to say that next, next time we get together, we're going to delve further. Uh, and, uh, I mean, this has been fun. I've really enjoyed it. Anyone got any last words before we sign off? Mark? I want to come back to our definition of grace. Your question was, why is grace so important? And I think the answer is held within the very definition of what grace is. Grace is the unearned, undeserved, unmerited favor of God. The reason grace is so important is it's the only way to ever get the favor of God. There yeah, is believe no it or not, way. exactly. I was going to say the same exact thing, you know, before we answer why grace, why we need grace, you know, we need to define what grace is. So thank you, uh, Mark, for that. So I think just to summarize, right, you know, what we are saying is we all have sinned, right? We cannot save ourselves by anything we do. And the only way, only logical way to be saved is if someone saves us apart from our works, apart from our doing. And that's, a, that's exactly what grace is, the unearned, undeserved, unmerited favor of God. God out of his love for us, right? He sent his son, Jesus Christ. He died in our place. He forgave our sins. He washed away our sins and took away our sins. And now he gives us a gift of righteousness. And then thereby he gives us eternal life. So all of this is by grace. And that is, that is, that's why grace is important because we couldn't save ourselves. But God loves us too much to leave us in that condition. And therefore, he, by his grace, he saves us. Well, I always want to be the guy that sums it up, but I think Ajay just did it so beautifully that I want to step on it. Guys, it's been a great discussion tonight. Thank you so much. And I look forward to next time. We'd like to thank you for listening to The Unveiling. We hope you have enjoyed it enough to consider subscribing. We welcome your questions, comments, and feedback. You can reach us via email at theunveiledgospel at yahoo.com or find our Facebook page at The Unveiling Podcast. For Ajay, Mark, and myself, God bless, and we'll talk to you next time. One. One.